0: Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 430 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd, joined with... How we doing today, Joe? I'm doing
1: good. Merry Christmas, everyone. ho, 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 ho. This is me, Vince McMahon, wearing a poorly mic'd beard, and you can't understand what I'm saying, because I'm five McAllens deep.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Oh, wait, is this not the beginning of uh, Todd's with Wrestling?
0: No, it's uh, not Todd's with Wrestling. But no, I
1: might re- have imbibed a little bit today uh, over Christmas dinner, or yesterday <laughs> over Christmas dinner, or whenever Christmas dinner is.
0: When you hear this, that Christmas for this. Right.
1: Christmas dinner at two in the afternoon.
0: Those are the times to do it.
1: Christmas is the new Thanksgiving.
0: <laughs> Boy. Uh, drinking the American pastime. That's right.
1: I was going to, I was like, ah, uh, I've, I've been feeling really crappy lately. I've been like all congested and stuffed up. I took like a bunch of DayQuil and other pills this morning. I just took mm-hmm. them. I didn't know what they were. And... <laughs> we're out at my uh
0: gleaming x
1: <laughs> oh hey that's a plug for uh, after dark this week yep it was a, it was an orange color what i took <laughs> and <laughs> i'm like oh i'm gonna get some wine i'm gonna have a glass of wine that'll make this pressure in my head go away and then as i'm walking over to where the wine was there was also a bottle of ezra brooks
0: mm-hmm. so i'm
1: like that's better than wine <laughs> and i was talking to my nephew who's of age he's of drinking age and uh, I said to him, I go, yeah, I decided to have a drink today. I go, you know, I explained to him how my sinus has been killing me. I've been all stuffed up and everything else like that. And he goes, do you feel better? I go, no. No, I still feel terrible. But it just makes me forget that I've been in pain. <laughs>
0: that's <the laughs> way, that's why I problem, drink it. Todd? <laughs> I, I, I tell you, there's no there's no problem that alcohol can't make go away for a little while. Right. A great
1: show said, it's the cause of and solution to all of life's problems and i think exactly. that show was whoops oh i love that show no one did
0: i watched every episode
1: all six of them so did i because it was on after Married or children what was i gonna do what was i gonna do todd turn the channel
0: <laughs> no it was no adventures of beans baxter but it no. was good
1: all right save that for a thing i don't know yeah, todd right. what do we have to discuss on this show
0: we don't have much news, but Walmart, you know, getting into comics again. Um, More? Th-
1: Are they trying to destroy this business that I love so much?
0: Oh, God. <laughs> but anyway, um, also uh, con news, a little bit of con news, free digital books and sales. What we read last week, which was Batman 61, Freedom Fighters number one. And we've had a request for a comic, Joe. Aquaman- That's right, Aquaman.
1: Aquaman number 43, a, a bold new beginning for the old, uh, fish that's talker. Right.
0: That's right. Um also what we're looking forward to this week, we have the, uh, we have a Todd's Art Attack. We may do some present exchange.
1: Joe? Oh, that's right. I'm gonna shake my present into the microphone. Let's see if you can hear what it is.
0: Alright. Should I shake mine now? Nah. Oh, <laughs> Jerk. But, uh, and also at the end of the show, we're gonna have spoiler-filled talk of the latest DC release, Aquaman. So we're gonna have double Aquaman on this show.
1: That's right. You know those Aquaman that are like double Aquaman? <laughs> That's what this show is. That's right. So, enough of the Simpsons references again. It's late. Whenever we do these movies, <laughs> for some reason they take forever. But no, so Marvel, him. Uh, is getting in on the comic book game over at Walmart. Now, way, way back in the day, you, listener of the show, may remember your local Caldor, Hills, Jamesway, <laughs> whatever the run-out-of-business-not-Walmart that was in your area was. There would always be those packs of comics. I think uh the equivalent of that today would be, like, your Five Below's, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Where you could go there, and it's a bundle of comics. It would be, like, three comics or sometimes even five comics for some low low price and it was always like one book on the front that was something appealing and then the other two books and you open it up were garbage
0: mm-hmm. i'm i just want to say something about that i'm pretty sure some of that stuff there are people who go around to local comic shops and like like everywhere and try to buy up over, like leftover stock at d- dirt low prices, and I believe ours is one of them that sells like bundle boxes of comics really cheap, and they go into these bundles in like five and below stores and stuff like that. Hmm. You'll have to ask about it next time you're interesting. In. So we've discussed that
1: DC is kind of getting in on it and has been getting in on it where they get their own little display box. They're getting those 100-page giants that have new material in them. Sometimes they'll be crammed into where your Pokemon cards are, or sometimes your Walmart will just decide never to put them out ever in the history of these things existing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but... Marvel is not doing uh, new material, but they are giving you re- recent material at rock-bottom prices. Um, the most recent Avengers number 700, which I think was a $6 comic, is part of one of three books in a bundle that you can get for 5 bucks. So you could get that book that came out a month ago <laughs> that was $7 cover price for 5 bucks at Walmart, plus two other comics. Mm-hmm. And then I guess there's a bunch of other stuff that one would assume is first printing stuff that Marvel has already gone to second and third printings on. So if you're one of those people that care about that sort of thing, that's another thing that you can go and do. So mm-hmm. I-, I guess it's good that Marvel is getting in on the game, that they're not letting DC monopolize, technically the biggest retailer in the world, to get people to buy comic books. But uh, I don't know. Selling stuff that's less than a month old at a third of the price may not be the best marketing strategy, but what do I know? I'm just a dumb dumb who does a podcast.
0: Right. Now, I think, doesn't Marvel have like an exclusive cover to one of their books, too, for Walmart? Hmm. But um, the thing that I'm with you on, I think it is a bit of a slap in the face to comic shops to sell these, to sell, like, now granted, if you have a huge over print run, maybe, like, you can't make a habit of this. Like, you can't have, like, the big, uh, the big uh, uh, legacy numbering, like the the, the the 600s, 700s, and have 799 books, 699 books, and sell them for a buck every time, because that's, you're not going to have the comic shops order them. Like, people will wait for them eventually. So it's weird. I want to see how this all plays out over the next couple of months.
1: Right. You know, we've discussed this before in the show, and I know it happened again as the holidays approached. uh, Ollie's bargain outlets had, like, the big overstock of trades and hardcovers and all this sort of jazz at way, way low prices. And I think it's, like, the second or third time in recent memory where this sort of thing happened. But it's not like it's brand-new stuff that was traded – on January 1st or December 1st, and it's already in the bargain bin outlets on December 25th. It's stuff that's, you know, been printed and reprinted and reprinted numerous times, and it's like, yeah, nobody's buying this. Let's just dump it where we can.
0: Right, and a lot of it, I think, has over the time was at one point offered to retailers. You know what I mean?
1: Right, and that's the other thing is, if these books, you know, if a book is quote-unquote being sold out at the retailer's level, And then, less than a month later, that same sold-out book that the retailer tried to order is now being dumped at a Walmart, I'd be pretty hot about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, on every level, I'd be hot as a retailer, and I'd be hot as a comic book purchaser.
0: I I totally get it. I mean... (sighs) That's why I say some of this stuff is good and bad. Like everybody just, you know, I, I, I live in the gray. That's, that's all I can, you mm-hmm. know, that's what I say. So there's th- Walmart stuff. It is good. Uh, but I see bad things with it too. And it's just like every, every industry, you know, when did comics become a business? So I don't know.
1: It never stopped being a business. It was a business from day one, Todd. What? That's what I understand. That's how everything's going to be retconned, that it's always been a business.
0: Retcon is like the new, you know, thing. Everybody loves retcons. Mm-hmm.
1: So, I don't know, weigh in with your opinions and your thoughts and feelings on this Walmart stuff. You know, the DC stuff, like I said, is a very specific thing. And them, you know, and they did say that whatever that new material is, is going to be printed eventually
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, for retailers to purchase. But, you know, what are we, six months in, ten months in?
0: Yeah, but something
1: like that I, and like there's been no solicitations for that Walmart original exclusive stuff to be resolicited somewhere else.
0: But the way I look at it is we still have yeah, you still have a long time to go on this cuz it's six issues in in the in the Walmart issues, but they're done 12 pages at a time. So you're not even halfway through these books, you know what I mean? Right. to to be to be solicited and i just want to say like you know how uh we talked about the the being good and and all that stuff i'm upset that because jonah hex is in the justice league 100 pagers brand new stories because there's a brand new wonder woman story and he's in them that i have to buy uh 4.99 books because jonah hex is in them i will not wait for the, the reprints because who knows if I'll ever get them right
1: and, and they're banking on someone like you and more people like you to do exactly that
0: but I thought this was to get new readers Joe well it's I also a bonus for I I old this, readers I thought what
1: it's a bonus oh. for old readers yeah, say yeah. you uh, love Jonah Hex and his appearances in Legends of Tomorrow and you don't read the comic books and you said to yourself I wonder where I can get some Jonah Hex comics. Well, he appears in one page of this six-page Wonder Woman story that you can get at Walmart
0: for 4.99. For
1: 4.99. See how I much want... do you love Jonah Hex?
0: Well, I want to wait around for them when they say we're printing these trades and then they never do.
1: Oh. So. Or when they start printing a run of something and then stop printing the run well, of the thing.
0: We're going to print these 100 pages and then not.
1: Right. Uh, So, yeah, again, like, I'm kind of with Todd in that I'm torn on it as well. You know, it's not like I'm upset that the Venom annual that I paid four bucks for or five bucks for or the Avengers book that I paid six dollars for or seven dollars for, like, I can get it at Walmart. One part, because I'm like, I've already, like, that money was already allocated to go there to buy that book when it came out, as opposed to... Knowing that this was the thing, waiting on these books to come out, hoping that the Walmart's in my area, I'll pay the full price for something like this. Because, one, it's one of my very few only vices. And, two, it's the convenience of knowing the book will be there when I want it, as opposed to dealing with, will my Walmart put it out? I can't call Walmart and put in a poll list.
0: You could try.
1: I certainly can try, but there's a lot of other things that I could try to do at Walmart, and they ain't happening neither.
0: I have a pull list at Walmart, by the way. Oh, you do? Yes, I do.
1: Is it your prescriptions?
0: No, it's my comics. Okay. Um, We know someone who may or may not speak with a British accent. Oh, wh-
1: that person.
0: Whose father works at Walmart and works the third shift, so when the books are sitting in the back getting ready to put out he'll go through them look for nice ones and pull the issues people are looking for that's different and, but uh, i have a pool list this my pool list is getting done exactly the same way it is getting done at my comic shop from walmart
1: so you get to go to walmart the day before peruse the books as they come in yourself put them aside and then come pay for them another day
0: slightly I have a personal shopper. Let's say I have a personal (laughs) shopper when it comes to Walmart. He does it for me. He goes the day before, looks at the books and goes, I want this and I want that, and puts them on the side until they're officially able able to be sold, and then picks them up and drops them off to me. So, yeah, it's the exact same thing. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) moving along.
1: Uh, there was no conventions last week, and when I say no, there was a cosplay convention in Malaysia, and when I say there's a convention this weekend, there is something called PopCon in Fort Wayne, Indiana, that's going on. There are no comic book folks there. There's a bunch of voice actory types, but the only, I would, I guess, like, nerd-type celebrities that would be there that I would even know is Barry Bostwick. From oh. Rocky Horror Picture Show, amongst many other things, he was Brad in Barry, in a uh, Rocky Horror Picture, and Butch Patrick. Other than that, the rest is all like voice actory types.
0: Eddie Munster, huh?
1: Right, and for Eddie Munster's picture on the, uh, the, the show's website, it shows him as Eddie Munster, from probably the Munsters TV movie, Munsters Go Home, cause it's in color, and it's a picture of him dressed up as Eddie Munster as an adult, from his appearance on The Simpsons.
0: Oh they, well, good choice, good pull.
1: Those are the only two things he did in uh his illustrious career.
0: Mm. He'll be okay, though.
1: So the link to that convention will be in the show notes to this episode. as will the links to the soon to be named network at soon to be named network dot com or soon to be named network dot tumblr dot com or anytime any of the shows in our conglomeration of uh shows come out, or people from those shows appear on other shows, and they remind me, and I remember to check my Twitter DMs in three to four days. (laughs) Then it goes up on the site. Uh, Just recently, of course, you have this show, Longbox Heroes, you have Longbox Heroes After Dark, you have Profane Arguments, you have uh, Puzzle Warriors 3, you have... Podvocacy and wrestling on the edge of tomorrow, forever. Wrestling on the edge of something. I know I'm going to hear about this because I don't have it right at the uh, tip of my fingers. Uh, wrestling on the edge of forever. They're off on vacation for this weekend next because they don't love you as much as we do. But... <laughs> Uh, David, of those two shows, did have a bonus episode of Everlasting Minute where they interviewed Shakara professional wrestler Frantic in regards to his opinions and thoughts and feelings. Um, and I don't want to spoil too much, but this is a spoiler in and of itself, how the film Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is more of an allegory to a film like, say, Soylent Green than anything else. Wow. Right. They blew up the planet all along. <laughs> anyway, anytime those shows appear, you can certainly check those out over at Longbow or at Network dot com, dot Tumblr dot com. Also, over in the show notes is all the digital books and uh, sales and freebies that are available. Uh, everybody's having sales on everything right now. IDW, Dynamite, Valiant, Image, Marvel, DC are all having sales. Line-wide sale, biggest sale ever, holiday sale, whatever it is, the usual heavy hitters are in there. There's nothing out of the ordinary except DC is also having yet a separate sale that has been going on for the better part of the last two weeks and is going on for another week after this, and that is a sale on all Aquaman stuff. It's almost as though there's an Aquaman movie out and they are doing their best to tie in some sort of promotional and scrape in whatever nickels they can off the hotness that is Jason Momoa. Mhm, so also we do have some new freebies available. I did make sure to check uh the recent legendary Star Lord number one, and I say recent It probably came out in the last four or five years. uh the recent Nova and that came out a little bit later, but that was part of the whole uh Keith Giffen. Uh, initially, and then going over into the Abnet and Lanning relaunch of all the Marvel Cosmic stuff, which you have to thank for the existence of the Guardian Galaxy movies, in my opinion, that Nova series is really good and really underrated. Uh, the really, really recent Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, I think that came out probably in the last year or two. That's all free. And also the very first issue of the very first miniseries of Moon Knight. Find out in this origin he really is bitten by a radioactive moon. (laughs) This is the issue where it happens.
0: You can read it for yourself, not just take my word for it. Right,
1: and I take Todd's word for everything.
0: You should take it.
1: (laughs) So, Todd, let's get into comics.
0: Wow, we're moving at a record pace today, baby.
1: If this was the dirty show, I'd say something else.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. You want to talk about comics? Yes. We can talk about comics. Where would you like to start? Any right. place in particular?
1: Let's start with I'm gonna ask you to begin. I didn't talk that much, but still, I'm gonna hang my hat on you, sir. You are gonna talk about Freedom Fighters Numero Uno. Right.
0: By Venditti and Eddie Barrows. Robert Venditti and Eddie Barrows does the art. It's the beginning of the issue starts out in Dallas, November twenty second, nineteen sixty three, in Did Texas. Yes, yeah, something, well, something big's about to happen here. Um and this is on the earth, however they're gonna do it, we haven't exactly established it yet. Um, that the Nazis won World War II, and in America, you know, there's, there's, they have, they're, they're the leaders and everything, and the underground is still a thing, uh, the freedom fighters, and they're bringing one of the biggest uh, enemies to the Nazi state, Jesse Owens, cause he, he had disgraced them in the Olympics all those years ago. He's on the run, and the the freedom fighters are trying to hide him. And that's when the Nazis find out, and they send in the Plastic Men, Joe. But I can't do it justice because the Plastic Men are spelled P L A double S. TIC like the SS in you know from Nazi Germany plastic men and they're very creepy they show up and they use their powers in horrible horrible ways and the original freedom fighters end up getting captured and uh, executed on live TV for or they tape it and they show it constantly Um, and then it the book jumps to 55 years later our time and, uh, the repercussions of the things that have happened from it. There's a new group of free- freedom fighters showing up, kind of trying to avenge what happened to the original ones, and then it's going to be like, you know, another revolution versus, uh, versus, uh, the, the Nazis. Um I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say it's, you know, it's real easy to, you know, use Nazis as villains. Everybody hates a Nazi. Um and I that's what I love about this. It's just the freedom fighters going up against something like you you can't you can't stand up and go yay for them. So I, I don't know. I enjoyed this book. I I lo- I loved Eddie Barrow's art. He's such a great artist. Uh it's a 12-issue maxi series, so I'm probably going to be in for the for the long haul. Um and also Uncle Sam is missing at this point. So we're going to try and find it's the hunt for Uncle Sam. I'm sorry. Uh but I enjoyed the book. I don't know, did you read it at all before? I, I mentioned anything else? I did not. Okay. But uh yeah, so uh, if if you enjoy like if you enjoy the 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 Freedom Fighter characters, um they have the originals for a little bit. The new ones seem interesting. They give a little bio in the back of the book about the the new ones. And I'm going to do a little spoiler too, Joe. Uh-oh. Uh in, in, in our current time, there's a giant Nazi robot they have to fight. And who doesn't love giant Nazi robots in comics?
1: I do. Is it like an homage to a previous giant Nazi robot in other comic books?
0: The certain one? Uh, yes. No. No, it, it is not, Um, because this one looks like modern day, it doesn't look like a character of, uh, Adolf Hitler, and, uh, I remember back then, was it on the cover or was it inside? That certain JLI issue where it said, the last giant Nazi robot story ever, we promise um they may have lied on that oh my goodness but i don't know if that counts with all these if their promises carry over and all the continuity changes like crisis zero hour
1: right that's a pre-zero hour promise
0: yeah so i don't think we should hold them to those kind of promises correct so but i enjoyed the book i'm sticking around for for all 12 probably unless it goes completely off the rails
1: so, um, uh, book I was most looking forward to coming out this week was, uh, Batman number 61, written by Tom King with art by Travis Moore. This is where sometimes the not really eating the solicitations kind of bites me in the hiney. Uh, where I thought this was going to be the continuation of the ongoing Bane storyline, it is not. It is a continuation of a storyline that happened a year or so prior where there is a young boy uh, who may or may not be trying to emulate the death of Bruce Wayne's parents as part of his criminal mastermindery. hmm And that was kind of like a one-off story, kind of an in-betweener of, like, other six-part epics that Tom King was doing on the Batman book. And I was shocked to see this return. I enjoyed the book very much. But as we had talked last week about how weird it is in Detective Comics that there's stuff going on where, where does this fit in with the relationship between Bruce and Commissioner Gordon, where we now have in both of the main Batman storylines concurrent yet different storylines where the focal point is something to do with the recreation of the death of Batman's parents
0: right though i'm pretty sure that this has to be a flashback
1: um again while it is a flashback it's two books on the shelves at the same time where you're like yeah i want to get that new batman book where the guy is like recreating the killing of batman's parents well there's two of them going on oh is it a crossover no no It's two completely different storylines going on at the same time about two completely different people. Or maybe it's not. Or maybe the detective thing is going to be the reveal that it does tie into this.
0: You never know. Um, (laughs) but like my thing is I'm reading this issue and I just, I just flipped through it now and I realized that this has to be a back issue, a back issue, a flashback issue because Gordon and Bruce and Batman are on good terms and the bat signal isn't shattered. Right. So I I don't know, I just I I just find it but, interesting right, so and I was actually this but. one
1: isn't like where does it take place in the time frame?
0: Mm-hmm. But it's
1: just more so it's weird that there's two different bat books that are going on with essentially the same loose plot.
0: Right. They're slightly different, but
1: they're different enough to be different, but they're alike enough to be like, "Hey, what's the one thing that made Batman Batman?" Let's do a completely different story about it. And the both pitches come in at the same time. And they're like, let's maybe not put them out a week apart.
0: Right. And I'm with you. Let's maybe wait
1: two weeks.
0: Right. I'm with you on the whole, I thought, because you told me it was the Penguin book. Yeah. So that's what I thought. And I'm sitting here. I I get it home. I'm like, all right, I have to read this right out of the gate. So I have it done. So it'll be ready for the big comic podcast fest that we do and i'm like there's no penguin in this book
1: there's joe no lied to in this
0: me. book <laughs> joe lied to me lied to me in podcasts
1: right well i lied to a lot of people in many forms but this one specifically <laughs> was due to my own ignorance of not reading solicitations i just assumed i'm like well this is what's gotcha. gonna happen
0: next no problem do was lie good, to me again, joe.
1: but it was a different yeah. story than what i was expecting
0: mm-hmm I actually thought there was more to the penguin story, so I don't know if we're going to get more to that or what. It was very, very weird. I'm with you though.
1: Let me see. I think they are going back to it eventually.
0: They probably will. I don't know if you know this. I think Tom King has a plan.
1: <laughs> Let me see. No, unfortunately the DC website doesn't go further than the most recent issue, sadly. We'll get on it. Oh, no, wait. Let me look here. Oh, no, their layout is terrible. That's what it is. So there's 61. There's 62. 63 would usually follow. So there is no 63 on their website. It goes 62, 64, 65, 66, 67... And then 61 is down at the bottom of the page, is available now.
0: And I swear 62 is my favorite villain mm-hmm, of Deep mm-hmm, Batman's mm-hmm, Professor Pig.
1: Right. And then 64 and 65 are the Flash crossover. Mm-hmm. And then 66 goes back to... Uh looks like 66 goes back to
0: the pain stuff. The Penguin story. I wonder if this is with him doing that thing for TV. Yeah. That he's talking and it got bounced around. But I'm going to go back to Professor Pig for a second. We are going to find out how good of a writer Tom King is. I have never read a good Professor Pig story. Uh I think Professor Pig may have shown up
1: in that weird CG animated Batman cartoon that was called The Batman. Okay. And it was not terrible, but definitely not good.
0: So you read that 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 animation?
1: I, I watched that cartoon. It was a right, good I was story. Just, it was, a, I was, it just was saying, you know. Uh,
0: my exact words, I never read a, a good Professor Pig story.
1: I could have put the subtitles on and read the stuff.
0: That is true. That is true. I
1: could have. I didn't, but I could
0: comics, he doesn't work.
1: We will see. If anyone can make him work, it's Tom King.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if he can't, I say we just scrap him.
0: Tom King or or Professor Pink? Pronouns, pal.
1: Sassafras. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So our last book was actually a book that was requested by several listeners, actually. They were very intrigued by this, of course, because it's a bold new direction for the Aquaman. But also I'm sure Aquaman has uh, some lights being shown on him (laughs) because he's got a fancy movie out in the movie theaters. And this is Aquaman number uh, 43 even though uh it's easier to see the big giant number one on the cover of this book than it is the 43 on the book. Uh, but it's a new creative team with Kelly Sue DeConnick, uh, who's done tons and tons of stuff, from Captain Marvel to, I think she co-writes, Sex Criminals Over at an Image and all sorts of other things, and uh, art by Robson Rocha.
0: No relation.
1: <laughs> so uh you take point on this one, sir.
0: Now I'm not 100% sure how dr- that giant drowned Earth crossover ended, and if it ties into this, or if this is a like a like he was okay at the end of the drowned Earth, and this is they're gonna tell the story backwards here. But basically, uh, Aquaman, aka Arthur, is living in this little town. Um, he has no memory of who he is or what's come before. He doesn't even know that he can breathe underwater, apparently. And these villagers have taken him in and they establish that over the course of time that the, 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 the sea has kind of maybe had a life of its, of its own and deposited people on this island as like maybe a punishment for things that they have done. And they start to realize that maybe Arthur is special, and there's this young lady on the island who um, is the daughter of someone that they kind of have a beef with and banished, and through a series of events, they think that this lady might have uh, maybe answers about arthur or be able to help arthur so they're kind of like maybe you should go see her and take this young girl with you because he's he's she's the daughter and everything like that um i really like i thought this issue looked beautiful um roca's art is just fantastic and on this new paper that they have which i like the feel of um it looks really good, and the coloring and everything—it just—it just really works. And like I said, I'm not sure how the uh, issue ended, how he got his amnesia, what's going on, but I want to find out how all this goes on. And I was thinking maybe—I—I uh, I, I feel happy that I kept those two crossover issues of Drowned Earth, which were unreadable if you didn't read any of the other books. So it, where this could have been a jumping-off point the fact that i muddied through or muddled through and read the new stuff i'm happy that i'm going to read a uh, deconics run on this
1: so i like this uh again good jumping on point i don't know how much uh, obviously or how little it's going to play into whatever the previous uh story arc was but feels good to have a new good jumping on point which is in the main book uh, which is something rarely DC does when their movies are coming out. Whether it be Suicide Squad or Batman or Batman vs. Superman or Justice League or whatever it is. Whenever those movies have come out and you go to the comic book store, there's nothing that looks like what's in the movie and has a giant number one on it. Even if it has absolutely nothing to do with the movie. Like Marvel's great about that. Like I always think back to when Ant-Man and the Wasp came out. That same weekend, there was an Ant-Man of the Wasp number one written by Mark Wade that had nothing to do with the movie. But if you if you saw that movie and said, "I want to know more about comic books," because I just saw Ant-Man of the Wasp, and I go to a comic book store, there's an Ant-Man of the Wasp number one that just came out that week, and I'm gonna buy it. I might not come back and buy issue two, but when you put someone good like Mark Wade on it, there's pretty good chances that his book is gonna appeal to a lot more people than Joe Schmo. Whereas Aquaman again, Aquaman, you know, these days doesn't have the same baggage, but Todd, you'd be surprised you and I live in our comic book bubble. Mm-hmm. People who are, you know, not comic book folks like you and I, still make the Aquaman talks to fish jokes.
0: Well, it's almost like, you know, they still do it in their uh, medias, too. I don't know.
1: Right. But what I'm saying is Aquaman, to many people, still has a very negative connotation, but this new Aquaman movie, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on, if you went to see this movie and you liked it and you want to see more about this Aquaman, there's a comic book at your comic book store. That's a jumping on point for a new storyline and it fits into whatever else is going on in the rest of the thing. And it has a giant number one on it. So and hey, maybe I'll check that out. And it's written by a really good writer. And
0: he's shirtless a lot, Joe.
1: That's true. You, just you like, like- in, Right. Just like in the movie.
0: You like your Momoa Aquaman shirtless? Well, this Aquaman shirtless too.
1: Right. Now, the only thing I have to say about this is this is a very tread premise of the hero having amnesia, being taken to another place, and then having to relearn his powers or his abilities or who and what he is kind of as a storytelling device for those new folks coming in to teach them about how this character works and how he got his powers. Don't you remember, Arthur? Your mother was a merperson who met a lovely man at a lighthouse. And here's a flashback sequence to it, you know? Which, it's a tried and true trope, but it's a trope that works. And I haven't read a ton of Aquaman comics. And I don't know if this is something that they've done before in Aquaman, but if they have, it's been long enough of a time that we could revisit it And it works.
0: The last time I think maybe this happened, it was right after the Sub Diego issues. I try to remember the famous writer who was writing the book. Like, they actually got a novelist to write the books. And it was maybe we weren't sure if Aquaman was who he was. But, yeah, it's been a long time. And, Joe, when you've read read comics as long as we have, we've seen everything just about. Like, there's very few fresh plots. So I'm always do it well and I'll be happy.
1: Yeah, you know, and it's not like these are bad ideas, and there are bad ideas out there in comic books, but they don't get revisited time and time again. You know, there's been this whole thing of when it comes to movies or novels, or there's 22 stories, like bare-bone, you know, fish skeletons of plots. There's 22 of them, and it's what you fill in between that Mm -hmm. makes your version different than the others. And I think fitting in Aquaman works here in this in this context because there's a good creative team in the book and all the other things that I mentioned. And this particular issue works on its own. It's right. a self-contained story. It's a cliffhanger. If you enjoyed the previous 20 pages or 21 pages, 20, page 22 is either going to send you running and never buy comic books again, or keep you in for at least the run that this writer is doing, and I think that this does a good job of that.
0: I hear issue two, Aquaman has fast-aging ninja children.
1: Now we're into some, uh, well, I and again, I can only assume... Twenty years from now, Kelly Sue DeConnick will go on Twitter and say that DC editors forced her to do that. Probably, as opposed to, um, you know, standing up and taking the lumps with the love of the stories that they write.
0: I know your, I know your buttons. (laughs) And
1: again, it's oh, you you got me on that one, Todd. Yeah, Uh, you're fired up and hot. I can tell. Right, so that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're reading this week. Upcoming, if you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday, uh, this time a little bit earlier, because of the holiday, of course, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, and I gotta fix the formatting on the post. Looks but, uh, terrible. I know, what what loser did this? Shameful, I'm embarrassed.
0: You uh, should get a guy to do that, yeah sure. but
1: uh But, we... Um, you know, we attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week, and we're also keeping the dollar tally amount of how much we've spent in the calendar year, and like I said, unless there's seven omnibus coming out next week that I'm purchasing, I think Todd has won the dollar spent for the calendar year 2018, and we're never doing this again.
0: Well, let me ask you a question. Next week doesn't count, because the books are on Wednesday, which would be the second of...
1: Oh, that's right. So this is the last week. You're correct.
0: This is the last week. This is it. This is the monumentous occasion that you're just going to glance over.
1: I don't know how calendars work, Todd. Give me a break.
0: Oh, you should probably get a guy who can read calendars for you. Mm,
1: I got too many guys.
0: <laughs> so. So do we you have. You went
1: first. Uh, you started the show. What is it that you're? You know, you guess first, right?
0: Yeah, I'm looking over your list. <laughs> And is the book you're looking forward to most Fantastic Four, whatever the number of it is, legacy or other number, I don't know.
1: No, it's not.
0: Is it Spider-Man?
1: It's Superior Spider-Man number one.
0: I, I knew it. You're just you're just, just – I'm a it.
1: contrarian. Yes. This is me being a hipster.
0: Yeah, because it's coming out of that Spider-Universe thing. You're not reading it. Uh, it's, it should be FF.
1: As we discussed on this very show – uh, I was on the fence about this, and they did the one shot, and I'm like, all right, if this one shot is good, we're gonna check it out, and we're gonna see how that goes. And it went fantastic, and I lo- I liked it very much.
0: So mm-hmm.
1: uh, that's the one I'm looking forward to. Yes, I'm very much looking forward to the wedding issue of Fantastic Four, uh, whether it be issue five or issue six fifty. Either way, like I said, I'm looking forward to it. But I like me some Doctor Octopus Spider Man more. You do. And I fixed the formatting as we spoke. Mm
0: -hmm. What about the five matting? Did you fix that? Nope. That's not a thing. (laughs) That's for somebody. They'll laugh.
1: No, they won't. Nobody laughs.
0: Yes, they will. There's one guy who'll be, who'll be, who'll be podcasting with tomorrow.
1: We're going to go by his uh, thoughts
0: and standards. (laughs) As long as one person laughs, I'm happy.
1: Yeah, but when you look at the, (laughs) never mind. Enough. All right. (laughs) Don't get me off on a tangent.
0: You didn't pick about, you didn't pick mine. No. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yours is a uh, fantastic 4.650. Yeah. I, I just want, you have to put it in the record book. Okay. I win, by the way. I won this year. That's right. And I, I you know what? I think we should bet next year because you're so good at this
1: now. Uh, let's talk about that if we ever go to IHOP.
0: Exactly. Probably before I,
1: the 31st. We'll go I'm to not,
0: what? I'm not hustling you at all. Nothing, in no way, shape or form did I throw that so we could mm-hmm. bet.
1: Right. <laughs> if anything it would probably be like another ihop dinner
0: oh a yearly ihop dinner uh-huh wow
1: loser pays
0: mm, so you pay all the time then
1: now again okay oh let me, let me let me narrow it down loser in this betting.
0: oh okay i'm right.
1: sorry that's i was going by the other thing right life no no no, no. yes so, uh, while you're over at longboxheres.com, of course, be sure to check out all the other stuff that's over there, even episodes of Add-ons with Wrestling, which exists there as well. Uh, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, and we got a doozy this week as Todd and I break down the 1996 hit film, <laughs> Kids in the Hall Brain Candy. And, uh, one of us enjoys this film a little bit too much. I'm not going to tell you who, but.
0: I uh, can't wait to find out.
1: You have to tune in to find out. Uh, you can also check out our s- store. What better way to ring in the new year than a Longbox Heroes t-shirt, pin, or a sticker, or some sort of combination of all three. Uh, however, if you already have those, I think you can, if you ordered today, I could probably get that to you in time for whatever <laughs> New Year's Eve party you're going to. Be the hit of 2019 in one of our Smashing Shirts stickers <laughs> and pin combinations. Yes, sir. (laughs) You got nothing to say to that one. All right. But you could also uh, purchase to your heart's content through our Amazon click-through. And uh, we've mentioned over the last couple of weeks, of course, you guys for the holidays have really come through purchasing a lot of stuff. Again, it doesn't cost you anything extra. It gives us a couple cents on the back end, advertising fee, whatever they call it. Makes Todd feel good, makes me feel good. We've had a ton of purchases leading up to the recording of this episode and just uh, two notable purchases that I want to mention out of the dozens that we had. Uh, Of course, I always have to mention comic books. Uh, Someone purchased the trade of Batman White Knight. Someone purchased Spider-Man Deadpool Volume Zero, which is called Don't Call It a Team Up, which is kind (laughs) of like a precursor to all of their appearances together. Uh, prior to the current ongoing team-up book, and that's some really good stuff in there, because there's some Joe Kelly, uh, Scotty Young, Joe Kelly written, Scotty Young, drawn Spider-Man stuff, with Deadpool, and that feels as close to that Joe Kelly run that I love so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but two of the notable purchases was someone purchased an Omatone screen protector for their kids' Fire HD tablet. Good for them. Because they can't get enough of that 9H hardness. And someone who is a Ultra Mega Mass power listener of the show purchased a Valor Fitness BD7 power rack with lat pull attachment and other bundle options for a complete home gym. And I know he's had some recent big purchases in his life come through, but the fact that he chose to make this big purchase with us, uh, I, I commend him. He's been one of those listeners that have been with us from, since the very beginning, and uh, I do thank him. I already personally thanked him, and uh, now I'm publicly thanking him.
0: I will also thank him. Thank you.
1: Right. And uh, what else do I have to mention here? Oh, it's time to open the gifts, Todd. Uh,
0: G I F? gif No,
1: the oh. G I F T S. I call them yeah. those those moving uh, images that you put on Twitter. I call them gaffes. <laughs> That's how I pronounce it. I pronounce it the French way. You you are very French and mm-hmm. high polloi. So I'm gonna open up mine first. Okay. I'm intrigued to see what you got me.
0: You should be. You
1: did a great job of wrapping this.
0: As I always do. Right.
1: It's in a brown paper bag.
0: I wondered where Todd got his brown
1: paper bags from since they don't exist anymore. What the hell is all this? Oh, okay. All right. So Todd purchased for me. Now, I have some questions about one of the gifts. Well, wait. Do that one last. Of course. So Todd got me, uh, like, I guess they do, like, new Migos, I guess? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Todd got me the old school blue and black and the new school yellow and black versions of Sinestro. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I will say this. I had the blue and black version, but it was at a time where any toy that came into my house was confiscated by my son. Right. So I think it is destroyed.
0: I don't know, which is funny because you weren't supposed to get the blue and black one.
1: Oh, I wasn't.
0: Well, that remember how the, the thing came late and I had to deliver it? Yes. I bought the Sinestro Core version of it. And I was gonna get you gonna get you other stuff too. Sure. And I bought it on the fourth of December, and it took like seven days to ship out. So then when I finally get it, it's the red and black one or whatever the other one. And I told the guy, I said, you got me the wrong one and you, sh- you shipped late and I need this for a certain day. And he basically told me, he's like, listen, he goes, you could send it back. You can do all this. And I, I, it's on me. It's my fault. I am sorry. Like he was more than that. He was like, you send it back. I'll send you the other one. Uh There's no money out of your pocket. He goes, but if you send me the money for the shipping, which wasn't a lot. He goes to ship the other one. He goes, you can have both. He goes, it'll be easier for me. He's like, I don't care. Merry Christmas. So I sent him the money for the shipping, not knowing like that you had that one. You know what I mean? Oh, these are awesome though. I love them. I'm glad you enjoyed because I wasn't sure. I remember you saying you didn't have at least one of them. So, so those are really cool.
1: I'll have to hide them from my son.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now the other
1: thing, I, I right. have to question at first. So, the other thing that Todd got me uh, <laughs> is an issue of Playboy from November of 1983. Right. Now, it's in a bag and back.
0: Take and it out. Again,
1: if... this is this is the clean show. Right. So I, take... I
0: know. It's, it's a very... And I, you I know,
1: noticed it's... that there was, like, a bookmark in this. Mm-hmm. So, I'm assuming I have to turn to that page.
0: Yes, or around there.
1: So... This, uh, as, as, this is not Mr. November, this is Miss November. Right? Right, and, uh, this is the, I'm, I'm assuming, the young lady I was smitten with from Smokey and the Bandit 3. Yes, it is!
0: (laughs) I thought you might enjoy
1: seeing some more of her. (laughs) So, as I'm looking at, uh, her data
0: sheet. I, that's why I put it on that page. I was hoping we would go over this. Right,
1: right. Okay, good. So.
0: Now. I, irony
1: of all ironies, Todd. Oh my goodness. As I'm reading this over. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? <laughs> Veronica Gambra?
0: I guess. Gambra? Gamba?
1: Sure, sure. Uh, so. She's from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Mhm. Her ambitions are to become an Oscar-winning actress. She should have won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress I don't think in A in the Bandit 3. Right, I don't think that panned out for her. Uh, mm-hmm. Her birth date, Todd, okay? Right. Now, you don't usually talk about a woman's age, of course, but her birth date is October 28th. October 28th, red-letter date in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, that's the date, uh, 1995, where I was almost burned alive at the also, at the ECW arena, but it was it's also my wedding anniversary.
0: Look at that.
1: Uh, So her turn-ons are a well-defined body, fast cars, and all type of dancing. Now, this was from 1983, and uh, unless all types of dancing includes me mocking my son for doing Fortnite dances, (laughs) I'm out of luck.
0: My body is defined.
1: Right? (laughs) A scientist would define it. As a body, right. Her turn offs <laughs> include lima beans, rude people, and waiting in line. <laughs> right. Uh, her favorite movies are E.T., The Sound of Music, Tess, which I don't know, Flashdance with three exclamation points. That and,
0: must be the big one.
1: And Rocky three of all
0: things. She loves the third installment of any movie. Show.
1: Right. Uh, her favorite foods are burritos. Lobster, shrimp, and pretzels with mustard. Favorite place in Southern California.
0: And Wiener Schnitzel.
1: Right, Wiener Schnitzel. She mentions them specifically. She must have had a deal with them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, her ideal evening is watching the car races with friends. And her biggest joy is to be complimented on a job well done. Like Smokey and the Bandit 3. Right. Now, I, I always found this distressing. Excuse me. You there? In the pages of Playboy, where they would include, it's like, oh, here's a picture of when she was one and a half years old. Here's a Mm -hmm. picture of when she was eight.
0: And now enjoy. (laughs) Right. And I just want to say, do you have your, where you can look at the screen with the camera?
1: Uh, yeah. Give me a second. Yep. I could do this. Oh, you got yourself a copy too.
0: (laughs) They were selling bunches and I was
1: like, I will take one too, sir.
0: I'll take a million. <laughs> yep, I'll take two, <laughs> but for different reasons. But but thank I you very much, me- Todd.
1: That's a very this is a very thoughtful gift.
0: <laughs> it is. It is. So do I open Mayan now? Yes. I'm tearing it open the paper as we speak. Oh, there's an Amazon box. That's right. I hope he did the click through. Oop! I almost lost my headphones on that. There's tape. There's super strong tape. Oh, my goodness. Yeah? You got me the Blu-ray complete season one of the Tom Baker Doctor Who's.
1: Right. Now, do you have that?
0: I do not. It's on my Amazon wish list. Oh, it is? Yes. (laughs) Is that how you found it? Yes. Yes. Fantastic.
1: Now, as you see, it is isn't an Amazon box, but I did not purchase it through Amazon, uh, and I included the receipt in there. Uh, I did do my best to black out how much I paid for it. I did not buy it from some irreputable seller, but just in case you did have it, because I was worried, I'm like, it's Doctor Who, it's the first time these are on Blu-ray, I, I'm sure Todd is going to get this either himself or from someone... I was just hoping that I would get to you before them.
0: Honestly, this is something that I really wanted, mm-hmm. and but it was just a matter of getting around to it. And I thank you because I know these aren't, you know, exactly the cheapest in the world, but that was what I was holding off on because it came out in June around my birthday. I thought somebody might get me one for my birthday and my family or a friend. You know what I mean? And then, and then once it, I didn't get it. It's like. I had other bills pop up, and this, and I was like, "I'll get around to it." And they put out the first season of the Fifth Doctor on Blu-ray, and I'm like, "Well, I don't want to get too far behind, so I was like, right after Christmas, I'll pick these up before they go out of print." And so now I'm one ahead, and I could just go straight to the Fifth Doctor. There
1: you go. And I do want to, and again, the reason I'm kind of beating around the bush with this, I did not pay full price.
0: I'm not trying to be that way. I was just like, I'm just explaining why I didn't do anything. You know what I mean? So I love this. This is the best gift you've ever gotten. There you though. go. I love the, the fourth Dr. Funko, but to sit, are you going to come over and watch all the extras with me? Absolutely not. There's a Tom Baker conversation, a brand new candid one hour interview. Oh my God. Do we, do we have to do the rest of the show?
1: We're almost done.
0: Okay. All right. I'll focus. I'll focus. I'll hunker down. Right.
1: So uh I guess that's Oh, did we have any art attacks this week, Todd?
0: Yes, we did. We had one art attack. Well, somebody sent something to the art attack about playing me in NHL video games, but I think that might be a robot. Um <laughs> You know right. one of them one of them Twitter robots that you're always telling me about. Mm, be, be wary. Mhm. Um, but it's from T-Bolt 712. He says, uh, Hey Todd, I love a good Lobo yard on Christmas. I love it so much. I couldn't resist getting a sketch oh, of the main man by the biz Simon Bisley in my sketchbook at Baltimore Comic Con this past fall. And he's got, uh, you know, Lobo, you know, chomping on a cigar in his sketchbook and Biz does a, a beautiful quick Lobo. It's almost like he knows how to draw them.
1: <laughs>
0: I love it. Um, it's really I have
1: cool. A, uh, that's definitely one of the pieces he's allowed to keep.
0: When oh, I rob you're not him. gonna, I got gotcha. You You won't rip that one out of his sketchbook?
1: Nah, he could keep that one.
0: Alright. That was nice of you.
1: Don't say, don't say I'm not a giver.
0: You are a giver. You gave me a fourth Doctor DVD set. Right.
1: You know the explanations I had to make to my family that that was in my house?
0: You're on a list now. Oh,
1: I'm on every list ever. <laughs>
0: i would i would love son don't be like me
1: (laughs) right do as i say not as i do
0: exactly
1: all right so is there anything else we need to discuss before we get into the the main or the uh the discussion of aquaman here
0: no i think that's
1: everything all right so if you didn't see aquaman or don't want to be spoiled by aquaman we bid you adieu thank you everyone for listening of course uh, episode 430 of Long Box Heroes, and we'll catch you all here next week. Thank you very much for listening. So, uh hey, Todd, Aquaman came out this week.
0: Yes, it did.
1: And uh I know you got a chance to see it Thursday, so you in saw- three. Oh, 3D. okay, you saw it in 3D. Okay. Yep. So, I guess um, to tell you, listening to this show, what Aquaman is about. Uh, you know what Aquaman is about. It's, ri- it's directed by James Wan, who did, like, the Conjuring films and a couple of the uh, Fast and the Fury. Furious type folks. Uh, also stars Jason Mimosa as uh, Aquaman himself. Amber Heard, who I've never heard of before. <laughs> uh, as Mara. Willem Dafoe. Uh, Patrick Wilson, who's a man from the True Blood show. Uh, Nicole Kidman, Dolph Lundgren, a fantastic cast.
0: Django Fett.
1: Right, Django Fett is Aquaman's dad. So this is part of canonically of three movies that I don't acknowledge exist. <laughs> right. Uh, what did you think of this film, Todd? It's Aquaman. He's doing Aquamany things.
0: Are you ready? Are you sitting down?
1: I am sitting down.
0: I did not care for it. Really? Yes. Oh my goodness. I loved this movie. Um, I didn't hate it, but I didn't uh, – it annoyed me, but go ahead.
1: All right, so uh, we'll, we'll start with the positive on this. So th- this, I think, is by far the best DC movie to date uh, because a great man before both Todd and I have, has said, when you steal from one per- person, it's plagiarism. When you steal from multiple people, it's called research. <laughs> or the Aquaman script. <laughs> hey, do you like uh, star-crossed lovers who are separated for a long time? This movie has that. Do you like Romancing the Stone? This movie has that. Do you like the Goonies? This movie has that. Do you like Gremlins? This movie has that. There's like 12, like, there's scenes of this movie 12 different scenes that are just like completely lifted from other movies that we all know and love and just like put through an Aquaman filter. Uh, so Aquaman, you know, he helped the Justice, this takes place after the Justice League movie. You know, he's Aquaman, but he's trying to lay low. He doesn't want the responsibility of whatever. Uh, Mara shows up and says, no, you have to do this. Because your brother, Orm, who several times in the film looks directly into the camera and says, I am the Ocean Master. <laughs> <laughs> and he is uh, planning this thing to reunite the other you know, kingdoms in Atlantis, and they're going to take over our world. And she's like, no. And he's like, I don't want any part of this. Oh, the Atlanteans killed my mother, and they say they killed his mother like a dozen times. By the second time, I'm like, she's played by Nicole Kidman. They did shitty de aging CGI it, effects on her earlier. There you in the go. Film. If she doesn't come back in the third act, then what are we doing?
0: That's what I said. Why are you paying for de aging if she ain't coming right. back?
1: Right. And I'll say this. Um, the de-aging that they did on her looked good. The de-aging that they did on Django Fett, like, he looked like a monster when he was younger. And then well, he aged gracefully into an older, you know, sensible man.
0: Do you want me to touch on that here? Sure, or? sure. I think they both look terrible de-aging. Oh. They, they both look like their faces didn't move. They didn't move. Like, they, they were Botox to high heaven. Right. So when they talked, like, she'd smile like the cheeks wouldn't move. I was like, come on, you could have done a little better than that.
1: Now, one tiny nitpick that I'll have, you know, I like the fight scenes in it, the action sequences and stuff, and obviously they were very heavily CG'd, right? Mm -hmm. When they were CG'ing the men fighting, it looked okay, but for some reason when they had, like, the Nicole Kidman fighting and then Mara fighting later, the CG on the women fighting, looked really bad like mm-hmm. super like sub siffy channel stuff <laughs> and then another thing and this is I haven't I haven't gone through the imdba uh website stuff on this the scene in the beginning where they have young Arthur and they name him after the flood that's going on currently which is really hokey and lame but I loved it uh and then the Atlanteans attack the kid that they have. It's like they're sitting on the couch and he's a kid. And then the Atlanteans attack and they're like, get our son out of here. And they pass him and then the guy and Django Fett runs and then they come after him and then she comes and stops them and then they go out to the pier and the son is there. It's literally six different kids with different hairstyles in each cut. Mm-hmm. It was so bad. Oh my goodness. And I'm like, if this is what this movie's going to be, I'm going to be really, really mad. So, It wasn't. The movie was fantastic. I loved it. It goes on, and we get the scene that we saw in the trailer where uh, Aquaman stops Black Manta and Black Manta's dad from robbing things. Because they're pirates, but they're super high-tech pirates. And Aquaman comes to stop them. And the one thing that we didn't get in the trailer that we get specifically in this scene uh, of the fight on the submarine, right, is Aquaman comes in. And he says a quip, like, permission to come aboard, or hot enough for you, or something <laughs> like that. And every time that they do, they do a slow, loving pan zoom into the loving eyes of Jason Momoa. And they do, like, a rock guitar sting. Like, <laughs> five different times in this, like, whole fight on the on the submarine, you know? Wow. And i just, the first one I didn't like. The second one, I'm like, all right, the third one I didn't like, but the fourth and fifth ones, I'm like, I'm on the trolley now. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Well, you're gonna hire Jason Momoa and you're not gonna show people how beautiful he is then why are we making this movie? Right. Remember this is gonna be a short episode?
0: Yep. <laughs> we only have four minutes till I tweet, but um... So... Go ahead. Alright,
1: so um, I'm just trying to think of like other bits and drips and bobs and babs that I liked. I like the scene where, uh... He's in the bar dr- with his dad, you know, and they're having a drink. And he goes, how come I'm from under the sea, but you could always drink me under the table? <laughs> and his dad's like, that's my superpower. And we have a good laugh. And then they see a thing up on the TV about how the mysterious Aquaman stopped some dirty uh, sea pirates re- earlier than the day. And then these burly bikers come up to him, Todd. And they say, hey, you... We got something to say to you, pal. And as soon as the bikers approached Todd, I was loud, inappropriately laughing during what? this entire scene. Now, I did my best to stay away from all the featurettes and the as much of the previews and whatever else I could about this movie, right? Right. So this scene happens. I'm like, I know exactly what's going to happen. And I'm cracking up. And the way that they're getting here was so cheesy. It's like, oh, this is the scene in every movie like this where the guy, our hero, you know has the altercation with those rough-and-tumble bikers or whatever it is. But no, these dirty, gruff bikers are big fans of the Aquaman. The one even pulls out his cell phone, which has a pink cell phone case, and wants a selfie with the Aquaman. And at first the Aquaman is gruff and he doesn't want it. And then through a series of pictures that they take, we see they share a few beers and they're now friends. I love this scene, Todd.
0: Uh, You know what? (laughs) We're talking... This scene I loved. I laughed out loud. I love how it got, you know, progressively wilder and all the pictures. That was a great scene. Totally threw me off guard because I thought they were going to do the cheesy fight scene. He was going to clean, clean the bar with them. But, and I hadn't seen anything either, like in the trailers or anything. So I was just like, I was like, all right, I really like this scene. And I want to talk about one other scene that I really loved.
1: Okay, go ahead.
0: I'm gonna be positive here. I think right. when James, uh, his name is James Wan,
1: uh, the director. Yes, James yes.
0: Wan does a beautiful job. It's the scene where they're going to the trench, and they're in the boat. Yeah, and they're you know the, the 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 creatures come out, and that looks great. I enjoy this part, but then he's like he realizes the light. You know, uh, hurts them, so he takes a bunch of the flares, puts them in his belt, and he's like, we're going down. And they go, and as they're j- swimming down in the water, he does a, he does a... F- Uh, uh, a wide shot like a deep far away shot and all you can see is them like the two little the two little people swimming slowly down and they're just real small and you see the red light and then you see more of the creatures from the trench swirling around them and more and more and it's and it's like further and further away and you see this little red light going low and your whole time you're thinking and you're just seeing them swim around them and i'm like this he's building like suspense here you're like when that flare runs out they're screwed and i'm like this is really good it's shot well and everything that might be other than the bar scene with the with the with the ruffians that was the two of them i was like this is where the movie shines right here and right there everywhere else not so much
1: now i i liked the silliness of the movie like i said and again you know it's As I mentioned, all these other things, like, oh, Romancing the Stone, like, that scene right there, like, I felt the trench creatures and the way that they were handled, like, they're afraid of bright lights, Todd, was very Gremlins to me. The later scene where they get the bottle and they hold it up is, like, right out of that scene in in Goonies where they hold the thing up to find One-Eyed Willie's treasure and all that jazz. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, like, the silly elements, like, the initial trailers I I saw from this, I'm like, this looks like the worst elements of Avatar, but then as I watched it, it was, like, the bet it was, like, better than Avatar, like, feeling, because it was, like, so goofy, this underwater stuff, but they played it so straight. Like, there's the battle between, uh, Ocean Master and Aquaman, and it's something to do with, like, oh, there's certain trident, or whatever it is, and, like, Thor's hammer, like, there's so much to, like, there's Thor stuff, there's Black Panther stuff, there's, you know, every other Marvel movie that they just liberally lifted stuff from. Mm-hmm. But there's the part where they're watching it. And Mara is wearing a dress made out of jellyfish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, nobody stops and says, You're wearing a dress made of jellyfish. What are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like, somebody put that into a script. Some s- dozens of special effects people made that a reality. Then they filmed it, then they put those effects in, showed it to people, and nobody at any point said, you know what, this looks silly, and it looks silly, and you know what, I'm with you, I'm, I'm here for it, you know, and then when the second trailer came out, and like the first round of trailers, Willem Dafoe is nowhere to be found in those, right, and then the second set of trailers, I'm like, oh, Willem Dafoe's in this, I'm like, oh, he's definitely going to be playing Volko. He looks just like Volko from the you know, from Aquaman, right? He looks just like him. That's what he's playing. I go, Oh, he's going to be the bad guy in this movie. I know it. It's Willem Dafoe. He's the bad guy in every movie. And spoilers, he's not the bad guy in this movie. I'm like, what a delightful surprise. Right. Willem Dafoe isn't a bad person.
0: If you say so. <laughs> Did you see the meme where they have him in green, as Green Goblin, they're calling him William Dafoe. And then as Volko, he was William DeFriend?
1: No, I missed that, because I I avoid memes at all costs. They're my poison.
0: I know, but to me, that was funny.
1: Oh, come on.
0: And they
1: did, I I feel as though, and the other thing is, all right, so, inherently, a lot of the stuff in Aquaman can and is silly, you know? Like, I don't know, a woman wearing wearing a dress made of jellyfish is kind (laughs) of silly, (laughs) <laughs> but, like, they played it 100% straight. Like, at the end, as the movie is going on further and further, Orm, Ocean Master, and he'll tell you he's Ocean Master, he looks just like Ocean Master of the comic books. And go look up Ocean Master in the comic books. It's a ridiculous, terrible design. But this movie commits. And they're mm-hmm. like, you want Ocean Master? You're going to get Ocean Master, and we're going to make it work. Okay, maybe it kind of doesn't sort of work, but we're going to put it in our movie anyway, and you're going to love it. And I did. I had I, such a good time with this movie, and I think the my problem might be, Todd, and looking at other people discussing this movie, I think I might be stupid. Because apparently, if you like this movie, you're a dumb person.
0: Well, I'm not going to say they're mutually exclusive. Um, it may be the reason you are let's just do that okay thank but you i feel whether, bad. Or, whether or not that's the reason you like uh aquaman i have no data to work from that but um i'm with you on orm looking full on straight up like like uh ocean master from the comics i was like that's pretty sweet yeah um but now would you like to get in what I disliked about the movie?
1: Yeah, so that's the end of, like, I'm kind of rambling all over the place. This is a great movie. Go see it. Don't listen to what Todd's about to say. I might even edit out what he's going
0: to say. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, <laughs> let's just start with, I'm going to start with one thing, and then I'm going to get off that, because this is the one that I could see most people, like, coming after me for, was I totally disliked all the music in the movie. Um... Okay, I thought it was loud, <laughs> distracting, and I don't mean I don't mean loud. like you can have loud music when it's appropriate. It was always bubbling up and like over the top during all the scenes and Joe, I don't know, and it was always like exciting and bombastic and 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 over the top, which is great, but you can't do that all the time, and it's like right out of, right out of the gate. Everything is that way. And Joe, when all your music is bombastic. None of it is. Ah. and it's not even a. And it's a joke that I did because I know you'll get it. But it is it. If you don't build to it and have the moments, the high moments hit. It was really bothering me. And right out of the gate, okay, I'm gonna get off that. So that was the music. Just I just did not like it. And when they played like Africa by Toto, <laughs> when they were in Africa, I was like, okay, like, I get it. This movie's silly, and I don't mind silly. I don't. You know, I watch. You know, I love Ant Man and I love all that, but uh, when the movie starts off, I don't expect them to CGI Atlantis. I don't expect them to, or uh, I don't expect them to build an underwater set that looks like Atlantis. But you know what I would expect you to do? If you're gonna have your actor walk on a pier and look out at the ocean, and you have a budget that you do, take your camera out to the ocean and have them look at the ocean. That CGI of them standing on the dock at the lighthouse was unforgivable. Unforgivable.
1: Listen, I'm I said like, this. I, I said a lot of the special effects in this film were dodgy at best. Well,
0: th- this, <laughs> well that's the thing. Dodgy at times. Like, you have Mara fighting. All right, you're not going to actually have a person fight Atlanteans and jump real high. CGI's fine. But when you have something that I can do with my cell phone, go do it. Um, so uh, really, I, just, I just want to
1: interject, you edit one audio clip on your phone and all of a sudden you're industrial light and magic.
0: <laughs> I am maybe a little below industrial light and magic, but that, that really did it. It bought like everything was just, it just even seemed like when they're in the bar, you look out the windows and it's like crappy CGI oh, of oh like God. a town and everything.
1: <laughs> everything out of the windows felt like it. <laughs> Like, the movie really felt like for 80% of it was filmed on a back lot somewhere.
0: In front of a green screen. Yeah, like or every, a soundstage or, you know, whatever. Exactly. So that, and then the other thing was that three or four times, Land doesn't know how to break up a scene and and, like, stop it. So there's just a random explosion. Like when they're sitting at the house in the beginning and they're talking, it's like, Oh, we're just having a moment, a touching moment. Boom. There's an explosion. When they're on, they're looking out with the, with the, uh, looking for the treasure through the bottle. They're like, Oh, this is a moment. There's an explosion to break it up. Later on in like one of the offices in Atlanta, Atlantis or Boom. There's an explosion. I'm like, get a different trick. Like you've used it three times at least in this movie and I didn't like it. Um, the I'll, other okay, th- I'll,
1: I'll defend that and say, it's like poetry, so it rhymes.
0: Nope. No. Um, then, uh, one of the other things was that all through the movie, James Wan uh, Juan, Juan, Juan. Juan, does not know how to convey emotion without having... People stare at things and then like, you're supposed to guess what, what the emotion is like. It's like, Oh, there's a giant creature. Let's have Dolph Lundgren stare at it in awe. Now we're going to have Mara and, and Aquaman stare at each other with their mouths open. But this time it means love. Now it's, it's Volko staring at the battle with his mouth open. This time it means worry. It's all the same look. Just it's forty percent of this movie is people staring at things. Now and I'm I'm I'll, like this is terrible. Now I'll say
1: this, yes the director should have maybe said like let's do a second or third take. However maybe flip side Devil's Advocate, he was dealing with some bad actors in Amber Heard and Dolph Lundgren and maybe Nicole Kidman. Was essentially just like this was her Sean Connery, I'm um, cashing a paycheck sort of role.
0: Yeah, even Black Manta was bad at times. Now, I, I didn't get into this.
1: Um, the costume and, looked amazing. Costume but... looked cool. His motivation was very one note. It's like I'm a really bad person, and my dad's even worse than me. But Aquaman, you should have saved us because we're whatever. And and Aquaman just like. Uh, like there's a scene in This is the inverse of a scene in Punisher Warzone. If you never saw Punisher Warzone, I highly recommend it. Underrated film in the non-Marvel studios canon of stuff.
0: But, Which one is Warzone? Because I just get confused on the titles. Uh was Warzone that the one was where, where he the shoots, last one? Where he shoots the guy doing parkour with the bazooka? Yeah. Okay, that I got. Gotcha. Okay.
1: So the the plot of that movie is is that Punisher decides to quit being the Punisher because he's sad that he killed an undercover cop. Mm -hmm. The Punisher in this movie, prior to that scene, kills at least a dozen
0: possible
1: also undercover cops as well. So it's a very flimsy thing to hang your hat on of like, no, it was this one because I I found out right before he did the movie death of, and turned to the side that he was an undercover cop, like, all those other, like, he could have killed dozens of other undercover cops, but because he knew that this one was an undercover cop, he's sad. Whereas this movie, it's like, uh, Black man Manta's like, yeah, you know what, maybe I should change my ways because, you know, this pirate thing really ain't working out for me, my dad ended up getting killed, you know, maybe I really need to reevaluate my life and then he's like, no, I'm gonna become eviler and I'm gonna get into league with the Atlanteans and I'm gonna... Alter their tech, and we're gonna get a scene like a, essentially the scene in like an Iron Man type movie where the baby face makes his armor for the big co- like the big showdown with the baddie in the film, mm-hmm. and it has like upliftingy music during it. Right, and there's like a comical scene where it's like, oh, I better, you know, oh, what? Did somebody get the number of that cab or whatever it was, like when the eyes go <laughs> right. crazy.
0: Right. So and then the other... it's like
1: uh, and then oh. then Black Manta shows up. And, like, him and Aquaman have a fight, and then, like, Aquaman just beats him. And then, right. and then he goes away, and that's it. And it felt as though – like, this – first of all, and we will let you get back to your other gripes. This movie was way too long. There was, like, six plots in this. And I think this was one of those deals that we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we went over like the entire, like what the initial rollout of the DC movie universe was going to be. It's like, and then Justice League is going to be two parts and then we're going to do a cyborg movie and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And then none of that stuff ever happened. Whereas this movie is, man, we got all these great ideas for Aquaman. We got like enough for like six movies here. You really think they're going to let us make six Aquaman movies? Nope. No, They're letting us make one. Yeah, Let's try to cram as many of the good ideas we can in this one and hope for the best.
0: Right. And that's the thing. The movie is is too long, and it just seems to me that it's scenes that are cobbled together with no good transitions. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, hey, we're doing this. Hey, here's Black Manta and, you know, the Atlanteans, and he's paying them, and he's like, well, I don't want your money. I you, He killed my father. I want revenge. And it's like, sorry, here's your money. Cut to you know, whatever city Aquaman and Mara are in now with the little, like, title on there, now they're in this of the seven seas. And I'm like, this movie is has no rhythm to it. It's just, we need to be here, so we're here now. And at times, it's pretty crappy. One of my favorite things is when they go to the desert and they go to find that thing, and it's like, oh, it's been here drying out, we have water, blah, blah, blah. I only
1: wish Aquaman said to Mara. That he hates the sand, mm-hmm. and that it's coarse, not like her skin, and mm-hmm. that Volko would be grumpy if he knew that he was using his Aquaman powers to, like, I don't know, something-something, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clothes.
0: Oh, boy. But, Joe, okay, his so then... His dad that...
1: Jango Fett!
0: Right, He's I know. He's canonically
1: I... Boba Fett.
0: I gotcha. <laughs> but... My thing is they're in the desert. That whole scene happens. We cut away. Okay, because they jumped out of a plane to get there, which I'm not even going to, you know, that's fine. Jump out of the plane. Then they walk in the desert. They're like, great. Now what do we do? We're lost. We're stranded in the desert. We don't know where we're going. And that's when they have the comedy moment where he falls through the sand. I'm like, fine with it. They find the thing, and they're like, now where do we go? We have to go to this place, and which was Italy, right? That's where they had to go? Right. Joe, how did they get from the Sahara to Italy? Did they walk? What? Did Uh, they walk? I
1: I think you're going to have to wait for the Blu-ray to come out to find for the extended cut.
0: I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, we're in the desert. We're in the desert. All right. Now, you could say, oh, when they get to the ocean, they swim to Italy. But they're literally saying we're stranded. We're lost. We're in the desert. We don't know what we're going to do. They find the clue. Now we're in Italy. Have you tried ice cream? It's pretty good.
1: I'm like, I'm, what gonna,
0: happen- I'm gonna eat some flowers. What, what just happened? <laughs> so I'm like, that's why I'm like this. It had, and I don't just mean plot, like like, like it has holes in it. So that's why, and it was taking me out of the movie. I'm like, come on, like I'll I'll just I'll, I'll you know suspend uh, disbelief, but you, you got to help me out here occasionally.
1: A man can talk to fish, but can't get from the Sahara Desert to Italy. Mm-hmm. uh well now i don't know what to believe
0: right sure and when i use that on you you go <laughs> no i'm not going <laughs> uh, yeah
1: uh, I'm, just, I'm just saying <laughs> yeah that's I, exactly again, it's a valid you... argument
0: but anyway i just i i was not a big fan of it. i like i said i had fun but i was like at times i was like ugh i just don't care so anyway i was not a big fan of the book
1: I thought it was fun. Uh, Spider-Verse was better. My kid being the ultimate arbiter of this sort of thing, he's seven. He's technically the one that these movies are being made for. Um, He liked both, but he said he would rather go see Spider-Verse again if given the choice. Oh, and another thing, and another thing I want to mention. So right before the movie comes out, we get the whole rollout of the trailer and the poster and everything else of Jason Momoa in the Aquaman costume, the orange and the green, right? Mm -hmm. And everything that we've seen of Aquaman before that, he wasn't in the orange and green. He was a hot, shirtless guy with lots of tattoos, looked like your favorite world wrestling entertainer, Roman Reigns, that sort of thing, right? Right. And then two weeks, three weeks before the movie comes out, we get this, right? Where he's in the Aquaman outfit. So I think they should have held back on that. So you have that big reveal. He gets the magic fancy trident from the the Cthulhu monster that only he could talk to because he could talk to a fish and it's a fish thing. And it's the first person who ever listened to what it had to say. So then he comes out and he's in his full Aquaman gear, right? That would have been a huge pop. If we didn't see it like three weeks beforehand and all the promotional material, right? I agree. Uh, That being said, I can only imagine the studio executive, not unlike someone in a certain movie that we'll be discussing on After Dark (laughs) this week, wherein it's like, yeah, you know, everybody hates that Aquaman, but they know who he is. So if we don't put that outfit on the poster, no one's going to know what this movie is. They're like, (laughs) in the jokes where they say Aquaman... They say Aquaman, they know who Aquaman is. We've established like, nope. If he's not in the uh, if he's not in the stupid orange and green outfit, nobody's going to go see our movie. So we got to put him in the orange and green outfit. We got to let people know that he gets the orange and green outfit in the movie and we need to put it on the posters.
0: And you know where the orange and green outfit came from, right?
1: Uh in this movie he got the fancy trident and then they just magically appeared and I'm like uh, uh there's people underwater riding giant seahorses shoot lasers at each other. I'm buying that. Why don't I buy this?
0: It was the armor of the guy that, that he took the trident from. He was wearing oh, it. Oh, the old king? Yeah, that was his, that was his and he just took it off him.
1: Yeah, I don't know if that was clear.
0: I think it was if you're watching the holograms and stuff. Like when he's sitting on the chair, you can't see that he's wearing it, but every other shot that you see, he's kind of wearing that with the cape and, do you know what I'm trying to say?
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't listen. I don't get my news from holograms, Todd.
0: Ah, uh, it's your news from the dirt sheets. That's right. And Twitter. That's right. But anyway,
1: I like made a lot movie. of
0: money in China, so it's it's okay. We'll get a sequel.
1: Ah, uh, oh boy. Um, what? <laughs> Who knows what the DC movie division's gonna look like by the time they start handing out Aquaman sequels?
0: <laughs> they hand out what? You gotta stop laughing. Before
1: you... they start handing out Aquaman sequels.
0: They're not. They're gonna hand out an Aquaman sequel fast. They're gonna green light that faster than you can imagine.
1: Let me see. Let me see what the internet tells me. Aquaman 2. uh nothing real up yet you know stuff about the post-credit sequence um yeah
0: it's only Uh, a 500 million worldwide already
1: jason mimosa says that if they make a two he'd want wonder woman and or the flash to show up at it uh but nothing like saying like officially greenlit and so and so on's and this one have been signed on to do it you know right yeah we'll get there it'll happen so uh, i don't know you could do a lot worse i don't know i might go see uh the bumblebee movie or the grinch movie this week
0: Ugh. well on the grinch i'd see the bumblebee movie because uh, but you won't be able to see the one actor who's in it
1: uh well they do a lot of cgi to take people out you know like the motion capture stuff
0: mm-hmm. with
1: uh andy circus is that what you mean
0: no, no, I mean the you smell bad guy.
1: Uh, the you smell bad guy. Uh, well, Razor Ramon was the bad guy, but I don't know if they did any angles about him smelling.
0: No, uh, Master no. Booger
1: smelled bad, but sadly he's deceased and he's not a movie actor.
0: The guy you wear the hat of.
1: Oh, the Guardians. Oh, my John Cena hat. Oh, yeah. I could see John Cena. I, I got the you- special glasses.
0: Oh, you, I
1: miss my old glasses. So that's I right. Can't. All right, no better way to end the show. Everyone, thank you very much for listening to us. Hopefully you had a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, all that sort of jazz. And, uh, you know, uh, if you can't get enough of us, tune into After Dark this week. It was a a humdinger of an episode, and we'll see you in the new year. Thanks for listening, everybody.
0: Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop!
1: Hey everybody, it's the last week of the season, week 17, I didn't look to see how many we got right last week, but we are in 39th place out of like 80 plus people. So, Ace is here, we're doing our last set of picks, as uh, Mario would say, here we go. That's not how he sounds, though.
0: Dolphins, lions, jets, saints. Saints? Yeah. Jaguars, giants, buccaneers, raiders,
1: cardinals, rams, chargers, vikings. Oh, hang on.
0: Uh, Uh, ravens. Ravens. Eagles, Steelers,
1: Titans. Is there anything you want to say to the other 40 people that did not do as well as you this season in the football pickums?
0: Bye, suckers. I hope you get your kick in the butt.
1: There you go. Thanks, everyone. Merry Christmas.